Welcome to Keyworded, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where we take a deep dive into Magic's designs and strategies. I'm Matt, joining me is Harris. What's up? And today we're going to be kicking things off with our inaugural episode about keywords. So our plan today is to talk about specific keywords, go over which cards are the worst, which cards are the best in that mechanic, and finally we'll go over a few ideas that we think could be implemented to make the cards more interesting or better. So Harris, what did you bring for us today? I brought Vanishing. So just to start things off, Vanishing is has the text Vanishing In. This creature enters the battlefield with N number of time counters on it at the beginning of your upkeep remove a time counter when the last one is removed sacrifice it so this is a downside mechanic on creatures mostly so and a downside mechanic is something you do not want to see on your card most of the time yeah yeah so you're gonna it's something that you wouldn't want to see but normally is used to balance things out so it is a tool that designers have to make more powerful cards but that come at a cost yep so it's just something to balance mana and power so yeah, the, the trade-off in Vanishing's case is normally power and toughness for mana. Okay. So like so, you can get a 3-3 three, three for 2 almost all day with a Vanishing creature. Okay. So the cost is you get it up front for cheaper, but it is guaranteed to go away after yeah, a certain Yeah, it's guaranteed to go away. It will, it will Doomblade itself after a little while. Okay. So there's a couple of different ways that vanishing cards are designed so one of them is avon rift watcher a two, or three mana creature a bird rebel soldier it has flying vanishing three and whenever it enters or leaves play you gain three life or two life sorry so this one is a flying two three which is pretty uh, which is pretty average for two mana but when it enters and leaves you gain two life so you'll you're guaranteed to gain four life at the end of the exchange. Okay. So as a common, pretty good, I would say. Yeah, I mean... Like I would that, be more than happy it, to pick that. It also has the very relevant creature type of a rebel. Yeah, very... You can go fetch it out with your... I don't know what that... It's the Lord, yeah. <laughs> Is it Lynn the, City? Yeah, Lynn City. That's the one. The, the Scourge of Standard back in the day. So... Hey, Rebels may be a tribe again, but so it has an ETB and it leaves the battlefield trigger. Exactly. So that's one design. So that's that one of the designs. Vanishing. So the other design that I, that is relevant to this conversation is something like Chromazoa. So it's a three mana creature, Illusion 3-3 three, three with flying, Vanishing 3. Whenever it's put into the graveyard from play, if it has no time counters on it, put two tokens into play that are copies of it. So this one, you get none of the value until it's the last time counter is taken off, okay. and then you get the value. So there's two versions of the mechanic almost. There's one that cares about ETB and mm -hmm. leaves the battlefield, and that's just there as an enabler. Yep. And then there's the one that cares specifically about the time counters. Yep. So there's a waiting game one, and then there's an instant value version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what is an example of a good vanishing card? Because all the cards you said... Are, are pretty mediocre. Yeah, they're pretty like, much I, I would not play any of these outside of limited, yeah. Yep. So I would say that one of the better cards for constructed play is Deep Forest Hermit. It came out in Modern Horizons 1. It's a 3 green green elf druid vanishing 3. Whenever Deep Forest Hermit enters the battlefield, create 4 1 1 squirrel creature tokens. And then it has squirrel, squirrels you control get plus 1 plus 1. So this is Deep Forest, or Deranged Hermit. 
but it has vanishing instead of echo. echo. Okay. And echo for those at home is a mechanic that you pay the cost up front. So like if the creature's four mana, mm -hmm. costs four mana to play, and then beginning of your upkeep, the next turn cycle around, you have to pay that cost again, or else you sacrifice the creature. Yep. So in this version of the card, you don't have to pay the echo cost, but it is guaranteed to go away it's after three team go, yeah. turn after three. So teams, that yeah. that the anthem, the squirrel one one will go away after three turns. Okay. So this one is really good because it has the upfront value. So for three turns, you'll have four 2-2 two -two creatures. And even after this goes away, it's four 1-1s. One yeah, and I mean, if you're if you're playing this in a squirrel-themed deck, like Chatterfang, for example... Exactly, yeah. Uh, so Chatterfang makes double the number of tokens in mm -hmm. terms of squirrels, so you're playing this just to get as many bodies as possible. Yep. So that's where the value comes from, is making those bodies and not from the actual lord effect. So the value of this comes from what it creates, not the actual card itself, I Yeah, guess. the value is up front here, okay. and I think that's a really important distinction, because, like, a lot of these are at the end, or you need it to get it to the very end. Okay. So that that's an example of a good one, because it's, I guess, fair. So what's an example of a bad vanishing card? Like, what's something you don't want to see on vanishing? So I think this one is a pretty medium to bad, regardless of which format you're playing. So it's Lava Core Elemental. It's two and a red for a creature elemental, vanishing one. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, put a time counter on Lava Core Elemental. So when you play this, you're pretty much playing this sub-game of, can I keep my Elemental by doing combat damage? And I think that that's really... You're only getting a 5-3 for 3 at the end of the day. It doesn't have Trample, it doesn't have anything else. So it has to deal combat damage, right? So whenever you... Okay. Whenever a creature. So, like, you can oh. do... If you're going in a go-wide, I guess you're... So it incentivizes you to attack every turn. It incentivizes you to attack. But it you only get one... You pretty much have to attack with this, or a creature, when this creature comes into play. Because it only has Vanishing 1. So if it ever comes oh, okay. back to your turn, it's gone. Oh, wait, so you don't even get to attack with it. You don't even get to attack with it unless you can attack... Deal combat damage okay, to that's... another player immediately. So, so, like, the game revolves around this creature. So Vanishing 1 is terrible. Yeah, Vanishing 1 is pretty pretty medium to bad. Unless it has some that, that's basically, explosive ability. It's basically how Echo plays out most of the time. Yeah. You don't end up paying for it. But, so that that's an example of a bad one. And so one other example that I'm throwing in here is one that when it when the design goes wrong. So if you push all the value into the upfront enters the battlefield or leaves the battlefield trigger, you'll get a card like Reality Acid. Yeah. So so Reality Acid is two and a blue for an enchantment aura, enchant permanent. It's vanishing three, and then whenever Reality Acid leaves the battlefield, enchanted permanent sacrifices. Enchanted permanent sac controller sacrifices it. So this one is you you might have seen this card in like a Brago Commander deck. I don't know, your Popper Reality Acid deck. I think there's like fringe modern play. The Acid Trip Modern but deck from this is 2016. Those, Let's yeah, go. Yeah, this is one of those odd enchantment auras that has a weird ability to stick around. <laughs> so like it has Vanishing 3, but it's going to last a lot more than 3 turns if you can flicker it. So the problem with this card is the leaves the battlefield trigger. So we, we just 
commented that deranged hermit's really good because of his enter the battlefield mm-hmm. trigger and how it makes creatures. But this one almost does the reverse. It steals from your opponents. It makes the game. It makes it a control piece, yeah, which I guess it's a stacks is, piece. Is a, yeah, it's, it's not basically fun. only uses stacks piece. So that's where, and I, I'd consider this card the most playable. So that's the real cost when it comes to designing. This is probably a the card. card that is truly the most playable, has the most upside at least, because like you're either if you want to play this card, it's really good, yeah, which is problematic. I would so, say. so the thing about this card that I think makes it a, a like an unfun card or a bad card is you're not this card isn't playable if you're playing it fairly it's only used in an abusive way like it's only there to be flickered constantly because if you're playing this as three mana delayed destroy a creature it's terrible like no one will play that effect exactly but the fact that the values uh upfront and abusable is what makes this card an issue yeah so if it said something along the lines of whenever the last time counter was removed it's it's controller sacrifices that permanent it would be more along the lines of what it should have been when they were probably play testing it yeah but in the current form it it, in that form it would also be flat out unplayable so that's the real juggling act is making a card that has value but isn't oppressive yep so and that's also a (laughs) deep Back to um, Deranged Hermit or Deep Forest Hermit. Sure. It, um, the, another reason we like that card is even if you play that fairly, you still get the value, and it's does, you want to play that card Yeah, the, very, the value is upfront clear, and you want it. And you don't have to really work for it either. Yeah, it, it, isn't, it is abusable, yes. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. you could flicker it constantly, but that's not really the strategy you're going with. It, it, yeah. It, the, the optimal line of play with that is the fair way. Is the, yeah. So that's that's something we value highly in terms of card design is when the best way to play it is how it's intended. So that's yeah, you don't have to jump through hoops and abuse it to make it a good card. So now that we've talked about what we think is a good one, what we think is a bad one, what changes do we think could be made into the mechanic entire like in general okay. that could make cards more interesting in the future? Vanishing, I think, was a lot of commons and uncommons, and I think it should probably stay there. But I can, there's definitely some room for more bomb rares. But let's just talk about the draft potential. So I think that there's a, there's a lot of draft potential here, just so like games don't turn into this like arms race where like I have my 5-5, five, five, you have your 4-4, four, four, and like I'm just steamrolling you. So like in games might get a little bit grindy. Grindy. Well, not necessarily grindy. It like, it'll stop in the middle. Cards will become a little bit more valuable but vanishing has this cool thing of the first couple turns of the game are a little bit faster because you're getting out your three threes instead of your two twos and so you're attacking and you're potentially killing two twos in combat with your three three and so i think the draft potential is really is really there but i think that the main change that i would make to make this a little bit more of a playable mechanic like a constructed you mean is a yeah as constructed and just a, a thing that you're more excited to see is um like you're not just reading vanishing as like oh vanishing it's gonna go away i don't want to play that card is um whenever a time counter is taken off you get a small ability or a medium ability like if it was a blue creature when a time counter is taken off you draw a card or something or scry yeah, or depending. scry yeah, yeah. Either one of those. and so, so like 
and waiting a whole turn cycle in especially commander or even in modern any other game of 1v1 waiting a turn cycle can be pretty that's a long time it's a long time so like drawing a card every time a time counter is taken off is not necessarily like oh my god we can't there's no way we can balance that yeah so involve like making the the user of the card more like excited about the card actually going away is something yeah. that could make the design space more interesting. Mm-hmm. So, like, draw a card. You could build your own Phyrexian Arena with that one, I guess, in yep. terms of Commander. If you, it would be... It would be functionally yeah. the same, almost, if we did it like that. Yep. And, I mean, people play that. So, and that's not a break-the-bank kind of card. It's nope. a fair card that just makes it a little more interesting. So, that would, could be an upside we throw on there, is having to deal with the removing of the counters. Mm-hmm. What other things could we do for this mechanic, besides the removing of counters? Any other ideas? So, at the rare level, you can make a real splashy card. Something along the lines of, like, whenever a time counter is taken off, you get a smaller ability. And then when the last one is taken off, you get this really big idea, really big thing that you really want to shoot for. And so even if it doesn't, even if it's a rare and it doesn't all the way go to its last time counter, you're still getting value. But if you do, it's like that, whoa. So, what this reminds me of usury of the like the fire mm-hmm. usury. So that card is a coin flip card where you flip five coins in a row heads up mm-hmm. just as like the complete variance version. If you get it all the way to the end for five coin flips in a row, you get omniscience for yeah. a turn. So that's the kind of thing you're saying is like have some big splashy effect for sitting through all the time counters. Cause sitting through three turns. Yeah. If it's like four turns. Yeah. That's... yeah three or four turns is an actual big deal mm-hmm. because that can easily get removed when the last time counter is about to go off. So it's a real downside in things like Commander because there's a lot of cards that we play in our own Commander group where at, if it's about to get that splashy effect, we just kill it on site. Yeah. Or like, as not on site, as soon as it gets that last effect. Like, one of them in here, Deep Oromancer. You want to talk about that one? Really yeah, quick? let's talk about Lost Oromancer. Lost Oromancer. It's, okay. a, it's a relatively... It's a feel-bads card. So Lost Oromancer is two white-white... It's a creature, human wizard, uh, vanishing three. Whenever it dies, if it had no time counters on it, you may search your library for an enchantment card, put it into play, and then shuffle your library. So all the value here is at the tail end of it. So it's a four mana, three, three. And if it dies before the last time counter is taken off, nothing. Yeah. So, so So what you're suggesting is... When give incremental value to that card yeah. while the time counters are getting removed, so it gets rid of the potential for the complete blowout feel. Because mm-hmm. in in ex- practice, this card sounds really interesting and cool, but what ends up happening is people like me come along and blow it up right at the end, exactly right before the exactly. last counters removed, so you get nothing. Well, this is since it's sitting in play, it's almost like every kill spell becomes to fairy. You can only cast for uh, oh sorry. For, for suspend. Okay, okay. So, you, if, if it sits there for three turns in suspend, the last one's taken off. If you flash into fairy, it's gone. Oh, okay, okay. And, like, it's almost like every kill spell becomes a fairy for a vanishing card. Okay. So, I think that you have to... There's a real blow-up potential There's a there. real blow-up potential, and so you kind of have to power it up to make it worth it. And may, and definitely the incremental value whenever the time So, comes. just just for the record, in the current state of modern design, from what... From our experience, it's all about immediate value or some form of incremental value. Because, like, Ragavan's an instant va- inf- um, instant value and other cards like yeah, that. Yeah, Ragavan, yeah. So, 
really bad. <laughs> so, it, it's not really relevant exactly what the card is. It's more relevant that when it enters the battlefield, you get immediate value or get some value later. But, like, very quickly, I guess. So. Yeah, and I think that there definitely is more room for the design space of enters the battlefield and leaves for vanishing. Because if it gets kill spelled, it, you'll still get that value. Yeah. But if it if you're gonna go the incremental value, I think you should have something a little bit more than like I don't know, something like draw a card. Yeah. So but vanishing also doesn't lead to snowballing. Just because of the way the card will go away. And yeah. if the value's incremental, it's not gonna snowball the game. Exactly. I think there, there's a real upside to a game having that cresting and waning kind of feel where all these creatures that you're investing mana into go away eventually. Like, I don't know. It's not just like, and I play a 2-2, two -two, and then a 3-3, three -three, and then you're curving out. In a, in a draft environment, I think that there's a real benefit to having these games that might be pretty f relatively more fast than normal games at the beginning, kind of lingering in the middle, and then having these explosive ends. So, and another way in, like, Commander 2, I think incremental value is something that a lot of players value. Exactly, like, like, yeah. So, building your own Phyrexian Arena is valuable to some players. So, mm -hmm. having a mechanic that has some splashy effect at the end and having some incremental value in between is something that players would get really excited about and really interested mm -hmm. in. So, there's a lot of room for Vanishing to be interesting. Just at the current moment, it's either all the value or none of the value. Exactly. And, like, the the incremental value of a big finish is not terribly different than the flip sagas. Yeah. it would. Yeah. I think it would play a lot more similar to that, except that you get the creature on the front half instead of the back half. Oh, that would, yeah, that's actually an interesting point. It, compares, it would compare to sagas in the way that... The, yeah, the Kamigawa get, sagas. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd be a lot more excited to play something like that. Yeah. Yeah, for example, one of those sagas is Befriending the Moths. It's a three, three and a white for an enchantment saga. Chapters one and two are target creature you control gets plus one, plus one, and gains flying until end of turn. And then the third chapter is exile this saga, then return it to the battlefield, uh, transformed under your control. And then it will turn into Imperial Moth, which is a flying 2-4. It's an enchantment creature insect. So yeah, the value is very like what we're talking about it's incremental and then creature at the end so that, that could be interesting in the form of you could make a living saga kind of creature mm -hmm. using vanishing so yep. if you're going to a like kamigawa again or if you're going to dominaria you could have a card with vanishing and have it like tell the story and tell at the, the end story. go away yep. go away yep but it had the creature the whole time so that's that's an interesting way to do it is design cards like sagas and yeah, and there's I think there's a lot of flavorful space here because like as much as Lost Oromancers isn't a, necessarily an exciting card to play with, the art, if you want to go look it up, it's really cool and it's really flavorful and it fits with the name. Who's the artist, by the way? It is Brandon. I am sorry for the last name that I cannot pronounce. Uh, Kit Kikosuki. Kikosuki. I... We apologize. We're dyslexic as <laughs> all. Yeah, it's all hell, so... It comes with the territory. I don't know why I bother territory. reading cards in the first place. But, so, the art's cool, and there's a lot of story to be told in these cards. So the reason we like looking at bad cards or bad mechanics is because there's a lot of work that goes into them, and if they're not playable, they just tend to get ignored. Yeah, they just go... You just leave them at the game store, right? You yeah, just leave them at the, the side. 
Yeah, there's a saying like draft chat. Yeah, you, draft you go, chat. You just go around at the end of the draft and get a free bunch of bulk. Yeah, we're trying to make these cards. We're trying to make you go home with them. We, <laughs> we're, trying to, <laughs> we're trying to clean up your local game store. By yeah, we're trying to. The bulk, yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of interesting cards that are just left behind because they're not pushed or powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think they're interesting and worth talking about in some regard. Like Lost Oromancers is a really cool card because if In it concept, works, yeah. yeah, if it works, it gets you this big splashy effect, but it's just not worth waiting four turns when you it can just a... idyllic tutor and go grab it. Exactly. Like yeah, you would rather just pay three mana, put it in your hand, and then pay its mana cost and wait yeah. four turns because that's yeah Su- yeah. Suspend suspend suffers from the same issue, I guess, but but it doesn't have that. Big blowout potential. Yeah, it doesn't have the same kind of blowout potential. You just have to survive. So, to get to for those point. who don't know, suspend is the same thing with time counters, but at the end of the so you cast the spell for or, its suspend cost or its mana cost, and then the spell gets exiled, and then after all the time counters are removed. So yeah, you take one off at the beginning of the upkeep too. Yeah, and then after Black, they're all removed, it's, you cast the spell yeah, again. It's put on the stack. It gets put on the stack. Yeah. So. And so, yeah, there's, I think there, there's some, as we discussed, I think there's some really interesting constructed play here that is just untapped, completely and utterly untapped. Yeah. And obviously there's more draft playable cards here. I think you could probably say that about every mechanic. Yeah. That's... But I think that there's some real, like when, when, real potential yeah, area. when was the last time you saw a vanishing card in Commander? Uh, in Commander, you, cause you were. <laughs> yeah. Me trying to make the dream to make, Yeah. You were trying to make it work. But in actual, like, out in the wild, almost never. Like, besides Reality Acid in the Brago deck, which we do not recommend. Yeah, for the record, I was taking out tutors from my Siona deck because I was... I wanted to make things a little bit more good for the rest of the players. And what ended up happening was one of two things. Lost Ormancers got blown up. By me. Or at the very end of the exchange, I would say, whoa, 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 wait... I can go fetch out the Wincon, yeah, a something else, and give it to you essentially. Like I can, you blow up something else, and I go get my, I don't know. So you were forced to politic to I make was the forced card to politics to even get any value out of it. That didn't even help me most of the time. But most of the time, I just liked making him waste four mana. Exactly. Uh, it's really fun to have all those counters go away and then cry at the end. Yeah, that, <laughs> so that that's the current state of vanishing, but it has a lot of interesting space the cool the design concept is really cool and if it's a cost versus like benefits thing exactly and that it makes the player come up with those choices themselves and that's where we think the design space has a lot of our show well at the end of the day the word here is efficiency yeah if if you go to any kind of limited resources any players that talk about modern or legacy they talk about efficiency and Vanishing can give you that efficiency. It's just not currently. Being it's just here. not giving you that efficiency. But yeah, we encourage everyone at home to like look at some of these vanishing cards because they have some really cool effects, really cool art, and some of them are interesting. Like yeah, and I'd want to play them. Like the range, uh, deep forest hermit. I think you could slot into almost any scroll deck though. Oh yeah, it goes in every scroll deck. Just because it gives you. But there's a few other ones like out of time. This one's pretty new. It's uh, Modern Horizons Two. Mm-hmm. It's when out of time enters the battlefield, untap all creatures, then phase them out until out of time leaves the battlefield. Put a time counter on out of time for each creature phased out this way, vanishing. So what that card is, is a temporary board wipe. Mm -hmm. So you can remove all the creatures 
and then they'll come back after all the time counters are removed. So that's that's one that's very new. Yeah, this is, I think, a relatively underplayed card. Um, interesting enough, it phases out creatures. It doesn't, like, exile them. Yeah. So, like... The, the ETBs don't come back. The ETBs won't come back, and the tokens will stay around. Yeah. And so you'll get a time counter for all the tokens. And so this is potentially a three-mana Wrath of God forever. Yeah, if, if, it you, has, if, like, if you go to six creatures, you're not going through six turn cycles. Yeah, if it comes back six turns around... but. <laughs> There, there is a real downside to this, because if you blow up the enchantment, they all come back. Yeah. So there's definitely some some give and take there, but if, again, efficiency. Like, yeah. Go look at some vanishing cards. We think it's an interesting mechanic, and it, it does have its flaws, but there is a real cost and a real benefit to playing them. I think they're so Just because they're interesting. I think, yeah. Intellectually, they're really interesting. Now that we finished talking about vanishing, it is time for everyone's favorite segment, Strictly Correct. Harris, what exactly is Strictly Correct? So Strictly Correct is a bit where we just bring up a card or a topic or a gameplay scenario and we just talk through it and say, which like, what is Strictly Correct here? And so I have a question for you. So we're talking about bad cards, aren't we? We're talking about bad cards. Okay. (laughs) So we're talking, when should you play bad cards? (laughs) My favorite scenario always. So the bad card I'm going to be talking about today is Sword of Hearth and Home. Sorry if you like this card. Okay. So Sword of Hearth and Home is three mana for an artifact equipment. Equipped a creature gains plus two plus two and has protection from green and white. Whenever equipped a creature deals combat damage to a player, exile up to one target creature you own, then search your library for a basic land card, put that card into the battlefield under your control, then shuffle, and it has equipped two. Why would you play this card? Huh? No. (laughs) (laughs) So, you... This card screams flicker decks. You, if you're looking at this card, you're looking at a flicker deck. But the issue with putting a card like this into a flicker deck uh-huh. is that when you flicker it, it gets unequipped. So if you're equipping it on something like a Moldrifter, a 5-mana enters the battlefield, draw two cards, and you're attacking with it, you'll have to pay two every time to re-equip it. So that obviously gets negated a little bit by get, ramping you. Mm-hmm. So it's basically one mana, I guess, on the next turn cycle. But it's still, in terms of net cost, it's one. But it's still five mana all in, and it's not necessarily a great effect. Because I can get that effect for two mana, or I can play a commander that can just re-enable it, like Brago or Amanatu, which is just three mana constant flicker, or four mana constant flicker. Yeah, but there's more pieces here. So there's plus two, plus two, so there's a stat gain, and there's protection from green and white. Oh, so if it's protection from white... I think the I think that's actually yeah. extremely relevant too because you can't even flicker it, so it has to deal combat damage. You'd have to unequip it because most flicker cards are in white, so you mm-hmm. can't be putting this on your flicker target. I don't think. So I let let's talk about the competition. So yeah, so the card that's rubbing up against this is definitely Sword of the Animist. So two mana legendary artifact equipment equipped a creature gains plus one plus one whenever equipped a creature attacks. You may search your library for a basic land card, put it into the battlefield, tapped. Equip two. So I focus mostly on the flicker effect, because there's a lot of competition there. But in terms of what this card does exactly, it's closest to Sword of the Animist. And so the best part about Sword of the Animist is it's two mana, and it co- and you can attack with it so on yeah, turn So yeah, it's one less mana. So it comes down earlier on the curve. Yep. I mean, in terms of ramping, you want to do it earlier rather than later. Even if the effect is 
better. So, like, explosive mm-hmm. vegetation is four mana, search two lands. But you'd almost always cut that and play rampant growth instead. Yeah. So I think the the mana curve here is a real downside. So the only place I can actually see you playing this is when you're desperate for ramp and your flicker deck. Fair enough. So I think that this is really interesting because it's completely colorless. Yeah, that is true. So any deck he does have access to this, and if you really hate green and white, just and so there's, slamming your deck as a protection spell, I guess. The you, two, yeah, it's it serves a lot of different roles at different times. So it's protection, it's a flicker, and it's ramp. That's a lot of that. A lot of decks want the the first the the protection and the ramp, and I think if you can get some repeatable value off the flicker, I think that you should definitely means, consider it over sort of the animus. Lots. Lots of cards matter about ETB now in Commander, mm-hmm. where this is going to be played. Like, you're not playing this in Modern. It's, it's way no, too slow no, yeah, in yeah, Legacy, yeah. you're out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a Commander that comes to my mind is Carter Doom Scourge. So it's a two black-red whenever it enters the battlefield. Um, until your next turn, creatures your opponent's control attack each con- combat if able and attack a player other than you. Whenever an attacking creature dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So, Carter is normally one of those one-shot effects. You play him um, at strategic moments, but if you equip him with a sort of Hearth and Home, or you equip another creature with sort of Hearth and Home, okay, then it's repeatable. So, how popular is that commander, though? Like, there is seventeen hundred decks. Let okay. me, and let's see how many. How many even play Sword of Hearth and Home? Okay, so the people have figured it out. There's thirty percent of the decks play Sword of Hearth and Home, but I would suggest now. The card is seven bucks, so that that's not like nothing, but I think it should probably be more than seven bucks, f- and definitely more than thirty percent of these decks. Okay. To also be fair, it's a Modern Horizons two Mythic, or is it Modern Horizons one? It's two. It's, okay. two. it's Modern Horizons two Mythic. Yeah, it's a Modern Horizons two Mythic. So, so that immediately gets you a. Uh, yeah, if this card ever gets discovered, it's going up in yes, price. That's devastating. <laughs> Here's your discovery now. <laughs> so I, I personally do not like this card. Just because I don't play any commanders. But so if the scenario where it guess it's strictly correct to play this card is if you have a commander that cares about attacking and it cares about um its enter the battlefield trigger. Mm-hmm. So especially in color like I think like you said, and especially in colors like red and black, where ramp is a like actual struggle. Yeah, this is land ramp. This is actual land ramp, not artifacts. This is a permanent solution to ramping. And in green and Green, you don't need it, but in black and red, most of their ramp comes from rocks, mm-hmm. or it comes from late-game Cabal Comfort or Borg. So this might help you out in the mid-game with ramp. And I think that this this protection ability, we, I don't know, people talk about those protection abilities on the other swords a lot, but no one talks about it on this one, I've heard. But green and white, I think is super relevant. Because yeah, like, mean, green that, that is a great th- combat ability, you can get through all their little one ones green one ones white has a bunch of token strategies too you can get through those creatures and there's a bunch of white removal there's a bunch of uh white black removal there's new esper there's a new esper one that everyone's been talking about oh the one that can't be countered yeah the one that can't be countered is just three mana i think it's void rend it's esper colors green uh, no sorry esper colors black blue white destroy target um or is it exile or destroy? I think it's... I don't know. It's destroy target creature, and then it can't be countered. Yeah. Or destroy target permanent. Not land permanent. I think it's that. But again, so yeah, green-white, that's beast-withins. That's generous gifts. The same card. Anguished on making. 
There's utter, a lot. Utter end. There's like, a lot of stuff there. Utter end. Path. Swords. Path. Yeah. So I think that this is a really good protection ability, and I think it helps you get this combat trigger. Yeah, because a lot of the decks that you'd probably be attacking into, White Weenie or Green decks, you're going to have a hard time getting through, so it helps you get through in that situation. I think if you can if you can get through, if you can get value out of this Flicker ability, can, like, I would say once every two turns, once every three turns, I would say that that's worth one mana up front. Because yeah. it's, it's the same equipped cost, so once it's sitting on the battlefield, it's strictly better than Sword of the Animus. So in terms of cards in general... How much play does Sword of the Animus see? So, Sword of the Animus overall sees about 6% and in about 8,400 8, decks. And Hearth and Gnome? And it's about 3% of all decks in 3,100 decks. So, it's relatively thin, but at the same time, there's quite a bit Three of decks. 3 and 6% or... 3 and 6%, yeah. It's still... For pretty... colorless, that's... That's not irrelevant. So, so all you sort of the animus players out there, have we convinced you to play this card? And know. they're at this moment, they're about the same price. They're about seven bucks. So, commander is a format all about value, in terms of accruing value in some form or yep. another. I think sort of hearth and home has a much greater upside. Yeah the the ceiling is a lot higher. It's a lot higher. So now, I don't think we mentioned that sort of the animus is just an attack trigger, not a deal combat damage oh, trigger. Oh, okay, okay. So, there's definitely that to contend with. Yeah. But still, I would say that Sword to Hearth and Sword Home, Hearth and Home you... is a bigger hoop, but a bigger reward. Yeah. So if but you're... it helps you get that combat damage trigger. So, if you're a flicker deck, or you're a deck that cares about certain ETBs on your commander, and yeah. you're desperate for ramp, this might be an actual contender. Yeah. Like, so. land ramp is a, is a real thing. Alright, but if, if, you, if we've convinced you that this card is playable... I think let, it's let, certainly playable. Yeah, I think, I think playable, three. But, yeah. yeah. But are you going to try it out? Let, let us know in the comments of wherever you listen to this podcast. Tweet us. Yeah, t- tweet at us. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's keyworded MTG. Ah. I didn't know we did that. All right. We have a Twitter now. Hit us up. We have a Twitter now. We're cool, hip people. Yeah. So, sort of hearth and home. Try it out. Spend seven bucks. Or proxy. Yeah. Yeah, print it out. Yeah, print it out. Try it out. If you spend seven bucks on it, tweet at us and tell us that you want a refund. <laughs> <laughs> Flicker re- your reality acids, kid. Like Flicker your... There you go. Flicker yeah. reality acid. There Flicker you go. reality acid. So bring it all full circle and ruin my day. Ruin the day. <laughs> all right. So that was strictly correct where strictly. we talk about... We didn't even talk about a bad card. Like, that card's decent. I no, would... I think that card's decent. I think it's just underplayed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we brought you something we consider a hidden gem in terms of played, but like it's still seven bucks, so I can't. Well, pick it up right now where that set is still in print. It's yeah. relatively new. I think people haven't discovered that. Right. But yeah, that's strictly correct. Next week, I'll bring a worse card. Yeah, I I'll, I'll guarantee. Bring, I will bring absolute dog water, and we'll talk about that next week. You're going to bring Stormcrow? Oh, God. Love me some Stormcrow. You're going to convince me that, to play Stormcrow? Dude, that incremental value, I'm there for it. Dude, it, that card is better than like 90% of cards, bro. Bird Tribal loves yeah, Bird it. Tribal. Bird Tribal loves it. Okay. All right, so what, what mechanic did you bring? So, yeah, we're moving on to my mechanic, I guess. I am bringing Cypher. Cypher. The Gate Crash All-Star for the Demeter Yeah, because that's why we're talking about it? <laughs> yes, because I love Gate Crash. No, I, I mean, we're... So, we're talking about Cypher. So, Cypher is the Demir mechanic from the uh, set Gate Crash, the Ravnica set. Demir is the black and blue guild. 
and Cypher reads, when you cast the spell, then you may exile this spell card, encode it onto a creature you control, and whenever that creature deals combat damage to a player, its controller may cast a copy of the encoded card without paying its mana cost. So encoded basically means it gives the text to a creature. So if a card, for example, says draw a card, encode onto a creature, mm-hmm. if the creature deals combat damage, they will then cast the spell that says draw a card. Yep. So that's what Cypher is. So what is a card that you really don't like here? Okay, we're going with the stuff I dislike first. Great. Yeah. I hate everything. <laughs> so the card that I despise the most from this mechanic is Hands of Binding. Hands of Binding is one in a blue sorcery, tap target creature an opponent controls. That creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Cypher. So, do you know why I hate this card? I, I can guess. So, the reason I hate this card and but is because in order for you to get combat damage in and the effect... So, this is a combat matters card. First off, it's a sorcery. Which is really not good for a combat trick. I mean... It's not really a... Yeah. It's not really a combat trick. Okay, this. So, it cares about... The effect is tapping a creature and opponent controls. So this card in particular, in order to make it work after the initial effect of tapping a creature, you have to get the combat damage in. So this is an on-combat damage trigger. So Cypher, you have to deal the damage in order to tap the creature. Yep. So, and if you're tapping a creature after you dealt the damage, they clearly weren't a problem anyway. Like, if I, <laughs> so if I'm swinging in with my 5-5 five five and you don't block with your 1-1, one one, I clearly don't care. Like, yeah, so the, it the goal, the goal of this card is to get damage in, but it doesn't help in doing that. So I think this is a bad example of Cypher. Yeah, I agree. It's also very bad next to the competition. It's not the worst effect I've ever seen of this, because like you potentially get it twice, three times, but this is a one-mana ability slapped on a two-mana card. Yeah, I mean, the... The best way to think about these is like an aura ability mm-hmm. with an ETB. Yeah. So, and I'm not playing a two mana aura that says tap target creature when I deal combat damage. Yeah, this is this is a lot like a pacifism that has a lot of extra hoops. Yeah. And a pacifism isn't very good to begin with. And limited pacifism playable though. So like yeah. in limited this might be better, but like in terms of even in limited, like if you if they have two creatures, what are you gonna do? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, you, you get can, if you get stonewalled by two creatures, you've got a problem. I'm sure you can lock out like an Archon of Cruelty player with this, but uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> like I, I think at that point you're just carried off the back of Archon of Cruelty and not the actual what. Well, like if they reanimate, it's probably going to be their one creature anyway. Oh yeah. Okay, so let me read an example of what I think is a good cipher mm-hmm. card. So there's two that I, came in mind for me. One of them is older. It's called Stolen Identity. It's six mana, four generic, two blue. Create a token copy of target artifact or creature, Cypher. So this is costed as clone, but at six mana. So you're, they're expecting you to get it twice. Clone is three mana, or most clone effects are three and four mana. Yeah, I would say the clone, exactly clone is four. Yeah. And if it's three or two mana, it's, it's a reduced clone in some capacity. Yeah. So... This is this is basically double costed or two mana plus, so it's it's relatively more expensive, but you get the immediate value out of it, and it works with the creature. 
Yeah. So you get another copy, and then you put it on there, and if you get more combat damage in, it's just upside from there. So this is just an example of you get value, and the hoop isn't too big. It's not reliant upon you dealing combat damage. Most of these cards, in order to pay for their cost, you have to deal combat damage. They are costed... So, they are costed like you will get the damage in every time. So, that's a that's an example of a good well, one. Well, this, like, this is six mana populate each turn if you can do it. Yeah, which is, which which is, is pretty, pretty good. Which is pretty... Uh, I like that effect in blue. I think that that's an interesting effect in blue. So, in terms of cost... It's creating a new body. I think that's really... It's, cost, it's over-costed, but the upside is there if you want to go for that. Yeah. And I, they shove this... I'm, they've reprinted this in a couple times. Yeah, this is a relatively popular commander card. Yeah, like I wouldn't say by it's cipher a, standards. By yeah. cipher standards, yeah. Like this is this one sees the most play, which is not much. Not much. <laughs> like this is a bad command mechanic for commander and for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like in modern and legacy, you are never playing this card. It is not efficient enough. It might be incremental value, but you are not getting immediate well, even value. Even if you put it in your deck, you're not casting it, right? Yeah, like, this is not something it's, you'd want to yeah. cast. The other good one is a very new one. It's actually um, Streets of New Capenna. It's, like, the most recent one. So it's three black-black, return target creature from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So it's a reanimate spell. And it has Cypher, obviously. Um, so... This one, I think, is really interesting in terms of it gets you the value you want, and it can be recurrable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is an interesting card. They've been making more of these five-mana uh, reanimate with some upside to it. I think this is an interesting one. This is from... Did you say the New name Planet. of the card? Yeah, uh, writ, writ of Return, yeah. Writ of Return, yeah. So, yeah, three black-black. I think it's interesting, yeah. So... I think that, like... I think you could really have a an argument about like would i play this over something like the new uh initiative one where it has escape i'd play the initiative one the initiative one okay we have to read the initiative one now yeah let's read the initiative one so the card that harris just made me google is uh from the catacombs it is a commander baldur's gate commander legends baldur's gate card it says return it's a sorcery for three black black return target card creature card from graveyard to the battlefield with a corpse counter on it if the creature would leave the battlefield uh exile instead of if the creature would leave the battlefield exile instead of putting it in any it anywhere else that's a okay that's a strange way of putting that and then you take the initiative oh then it has an escape cost for three black black exile five other cards from your graveyard i was deciding if i had to now describe what the initiative is uh, so the initiative is you venture into a very specific dungeon that has oh my god uh, <laughs> just it's monarch with extra steps it, yeah it is, it is monarch with extra steps it's good yeah so this card's good just because you can recur it really easily in terms of escaping escaping is significantly easier mm-hmm. than dealing combat damage but so that's its current competition which I think it's outclassed. Which and this was like actually the set right after it came out. So yeah. Rit of Return got printed, and then almost a strictly better version of it got printed after that. Uh, it got like two seconds of spotlight. It did get two seconds of spotlight. So Cipher as a mechanic is very underwhelming. But you, if you have some unblockable creatures, 
and you're trying to go wide, I would say that writ of return is probably a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're playing in the Demir strategy of unblockable small creatures, mm-hmm. you want, like, it'll be fine. But the problem with that is, if you're a, a Demir deck with unblockable small creatures, you're reanimating garbage. Yeah. But it, it's... It'll but, happen a lot, right? Yeah, it'll happen a lot. Yeah, you'll get all the garbage yeah. back. Like, yeah. you're probably only casting from, from the Catacombs once or twice... Maybe three times. I mean, yeah, we saw it in a game a couple weeks ago it where it got us four times, and it ruined my day four times. <laughs> it was incredible. So if anything, buy from the catacombs. That card's legit. No, but, yeah, there's your second. Uh, yeah, second strictly correct strictly for the day. Just play. buy from the catacombs. Just don't play this. Um, and you taking the initiative. If you already have the initiative and you take the initiative, you, you advance again. Yeah, it's just like venture into the dungeon. Yeah, so it's. It's a pretty good mechanic. So, l- this leads me to the actual issues of Cypher. So, the issue with Cypher is that it is a deals combat trigger. So, if it was an attack trigger, this mechanic would be wildly different. I'm not saying yeah, I'm not saying wild. they should have done that, but I'm saying in terms of power level, it's completely different. They would certainly have to cost it a little bit different. Yeah, they would have to cost it different. So, but I think that people would be a little bit more. I'd be more willing, willing to, to step into that hoop, right? Yeah, if I'd it's be- like. If you can get it twice on one turn immediately, then you might say, like, okay, yeah. That's worth it. But yeah, the fact that it's a deals combat trigger really holds this mechanic back and the costing of it. So Well, you have to find an evasive creature and this card. Yes. At the same time. Yeah. To actually Which make is this a happen. real cost. And so for the context, there's not many there are not many cipher cards out there. There are fourteen cipher cards. Yeah, this is a guild mechanic, so. Yeah, it was only printed in Gate Crash, a one-off in Dragon's Maze, and a one-off in New Capenna. Mm-hmm. So it is a very small pool of cards you're working with here, and so with these fourteen cards, the average CMC is three point seven and some change. So you're looking at about like three to four mana for these types of effects, and most of these effects. Let me, let me just read another one. Like, Midnight Recovery is three and a black. Return target car, creature card from your graveyard to your hand. That is four mana. Yeah. They So, the average cost for that is one to zero mana, depending on... So, you're getting thing. it twice. If you get it twice, you're still, you're still, still paying... Yeah, you're still in the dirt. You're still paying premium. Yeah. So, that's why Stolen Identity, the, one, the clone effect we talked about earlier, is a good one. Just because if you get it twice, it pays for itself. But there are a lot of cipher cards that you'd have to activate it like four or five times in order for it to be play it, like to get full value. Yeah. So the costing of these cards is not aggressive enough with the hoop that you have to jump through. I would say so. I would say that this is mostly a costing issue. Yeah. So like there's a last thoughts three blue sorcery draw card cipher. That's it. So that's pretty abysmal rates no matter what you let, do with it. Let me... The, the closest card I can think of to that is Curious Obsession. So Curious Obsession is an enchantment for one mana. Enchant creature. When enchanted creature gets plus... Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and this creature deals... When this creature deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. And at the beginning of your end step, if you didn't attack with a creature this turn, sacrifice Curious Obsession. So that's one mana. Yeah. So, yeah, it's three less mana... With a downside, you probably don't care. With about. a downside, you were doing anyway, and it gave it plus one, plus one. Yeah. So this cipher card 
you're you're definitely giving up quite a lot. And it's a sorcery. And it's a sorcery. So, there's a lot of real costing issues with this mechanic. In terms of combat matters mechanics, though, it's extremely interesting to think about getting a double shot effect. So, one of the issues that with this mechanic, and Mark Rosewater recently talked about it in his uh, podcast on Gate Crash, is that there's very limited space you can go with this mechanic, is what they, he talked about. They were dredging, like, the bottom of the barrel kind of deal. Like, they were running out of ideas. Yeah, they had trouble getting to the 14 cards that they printed. Yeah, the, equi- the equivalent... And I think that they printed one in ma- Maze. Maze's end. Yeah. Just, yeah. just to say it would, that it was there. Yeah, Dragon's Maze, yeah. So, it, it is a very limited space mechanic, so that's the real issue with it and i don't know if it's necessarily the best idea to just reprint all these same effects but better costed Mm -hmm. because that's not really too too interesting so how the real question is how do we make this mechanic more interesting like what effects can we put on cards or what costs can we make put on cards to make this a more interesting mechanic and the answer to that is nothing no (laughs) So the answer is scrap it, give it up. Okay. Uh, looking at it now, I realize we also missed a card because I've been informed that Pioneer is a format. <laughs> Forgot about that. So hidden strings, uh, one in a blue sorcery. You may tap or untap target permanent. Then you may tap or untap another target permanent cipher. Oh, okay. So you can untap two things pretty much. Yeah. So. The card that's important in this context is Lotus Field. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's pretty good. I, I think in Pioneer, though, and Lotus Field in general, this isn't your ideal effect. It's just what I they think got. it's... Well, the, the the deck's named Hidden Strings. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Like, you've, you've definitely missed a... <laughs> I, think I think they're wrong. <laughs> Every, everyone who plays Pioneer, you're wrong. No. Yeah, they made a Challenger deck out of this, and you're wrong. Did they really? They really did, yeah. Oh, See, again, though, I don't think Cypher is the relevant part to it, though. It's the tap-untap. I, I, I think, I think Cypher that, yeah. just so happens to be there. I think that you're willing, with this card specifically, I think you're willing and you're able to just use it once. Yeah, And I think the second Cypher trigger is an upside rather than just a, you need to get the Cypher trigger. And even then, it's since it does tap two permanents and untap two permanents, it is actually fairly costed at two mana because mm-hmm. the effect is one mana each typically. So this is a pretty like aggressively costed. The only thing I could say is it's sorcery, but it, I don't want to say anything about that because pioneer players are going to get mad at me. Well, so the cipher it just puts it on the stack. Yeah, but yeah, it has but you to have to deal com- first. Time, yeah, yeah, you have to deal. You can't damage. do it at the end step, but then hoo surprise. Yeah, yeah that's definitely field. a huge. Uh, but I don't, like, yeah. I don't know if this is a Cypher win, more if it's a Lotus Field win. Yeah, when lands tap for three yeah. mana. When Tron <laughs> exists, and, like, you kind of build your hoop around Tron. Well, yeah, no modern, no mono-blue Tron players are playing this. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting discussion piece. I don't think so. I think Tron doesn't need it. No, no you don't need to, to untap your land for three mana. You have three other lands that do that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't need to untap your lands, just... You just cast Ugin in the wind. No. All right, but so in terms of hidden strings, again, I don't think Cipher is the relevant part here. So making cards more aggressively costed is probably the best way to go in making things more playable. But I think 
what would make this mechanic more interesting is putting it in a color, so color shifting it, into colors that care more about dealing combat damage and attacking, because currently this is limited exclusively to blue and black, and that's partially because it was the Demir mechanic, and it's called Cypher, which is kind of like a sneaky form of, like, the wording is kind of sneaky. So I think it wouldn't be much of a stretch, though, to put this into Esper. Like, adding white, because... Yeah, I think they were definitely thinking that in this limited environment, you're going to have some flyers, No, you're going to have your your black unblockable creatures. So the second trigger, the second cipher trigger isn't going to necessarily be rough in that limited environment if it's built straight into it. Yeah, it this, they might have designed themselves into a corner. Yeah, listening one. to Mark Rosewater talk about it, he specifically mentioned limited. He said it was designed for the fact that Demir is, has those evasive unblockable creatures where you get the most value out of it. So like you said earlier, having those one mana unblockable cards or one-mana flying creatures, is where you want to go with this mechanic in the limited. Yeah, this is like a Sun Quan mechanic. Like, yeah, yeah it, it is very niche. If you can give all your creatures horsemanship, I think you're more than willing to slot one or two of these in. Yeah. But so. again, some of these are really, like, Mental Vapors, three and a black sorcery, target player discards a card, Cypher. Like, you're going to have to get like three triggers to make you feel good about that yeah so the current the current rate for that is mind rot which is three in a black and well, it's like discard two cards yeah there's like ravens ravens crime one mana one black mana discard oh. card retrace oh yeah so like yeah again this is not looking very competitive so like, like i said though they're out of the 14 cards the average cmc is 3.7 so this is a very expensive i think they designed this mechanic a lot more of around the thought of Oh, what if they get it 20 times? That would be crazy, right? You're not like, getting it 20 times. But yeah, I don't think you're realistically getting it 20 times. I think you're realistically getting it... Once or twice. Once or twice. I mean, obviously, if you manage to get it 20 times, you're popping off, my guy. Well, like, like, you if are you get it, it the fifth time, aren't you just winning? Yeah, it's it's more of a win more, I guess, at that point. It's not enabling you to win. It's not really helping yeah, you do much. It, it's, it's, not, it's not doing much to bridge that gap so maybe that's the issue cypher is a win more mechanic at the current moment so how can we make it not win more and win better like i don't, I don't know what the other phrase is like more efficient mm -hmm. so again adding it into white i think is very possible and obviously the first thing you do when you go into white is say one mana gain three life yeah 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 you <laughs> need a strictly better reprint of that that alpha card yeah but that was no, but besides besides life gain, I think giving it some other alternate effect might be interesting. So maybe you could, you could cipher onto it like an aura effect, give it some ability, give it unblockable. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you could you could make something really crazy here, um, like crystalline giant. Let me look up that card. Viewers at home, if you have any good ideas for how to make this mechanic yeah, more interesting, I would love to hear it. So Crystalline Giant is three-mana artifact creature giant. At the beginning of combat on your turn, choose a kind of counter at random that Crystalline Giant doesn't already have from Monk. Flying, First Strike, Death Touch, Hexproof, Lifelink, Menace Reach, Trample, Vigilance, plus one, plus one counter. Put that kind of counter on Crystalline Giant. So you can make this kind of card on a Cypher ability. Give it a combat ability, make oh. it do combat damage again, give it another combat ability, 
and so it kind of just gets better over time if you can make it do that actually thing. would be really interesting like a you know what like a modal mm-hmm. like make it a charm yeah so have three different effects so when you first cast the spell you get some kind of value and charms are usually overcosted a little bit mm-hmm. because they count for so yeah, much value so yeah. make a charm that has multiple utilities so when you do combat damage so like mm-hmm. have one that says draw a card have one that says scry to or have one that says bounce a creature like obviously bounce a creature runs in the same issue but it could be bounce one of your own creatures so making the modal might give them more utility and make them more versatile as a spell because as of right now they're very niche in terms of spells because you're it's costing you a whole card slot to play something like uh last thoughts the one that says draw a card but if that had two other abilities on it for three mana and it gets put onto a creature afterwards, I'd really consider that. Mm-hmm. And then, so this might be totally away from the design, but if you're encoding it onto the creature, you can potentially modify the text of the creature. Yeah. And so that's not necessarily a combat thing anymore, but maybe you can add like a text that says, I can cast this spell as a sorcery for this mana cost oh okay. so you can like build in extra value kind of as a aura okay but so, then you wouldn't be incentivizing to tax so, you know i actually don't think that's too far off of the spirit because the original design of this was inspired by the splice mechanic okay splice on arcane yep so for those of you who don't know that is a kamigawa classic where you may if you cast an arcane spell if another card in your hand has splice on arcane you can pay that cost and then you'll put that effect in addition to the spell you're casting Mm -hmm. so i don't think it's too much of a stretch to say if you had a splice onto like creature spell almost here where you could pay some additional cost or give it some ability says it could say like when you cast a spell or when the creature does x and that would be a very interesting way to go with this so there is a lot of sp- there is more space than I think they originally had like thought of if we put it if you branch out a little bit more yeah if but you... it might it might as well just be a new mechanic I guess too but well, that's fine like yeah but I mean like I I want to see the space of sorceries becoming combat tricks like or a part of a creature I think yeah there's definitely well. a lot of space here left and I think they pe- made a pigeonhole into this very specific yeah. rigid space of cypher so the you at home might be wondering why don't you just play an aura with an etb effect and just <laughs> like so the re, the response i have to that is auras and instants and sorceries although the effect at the end is different the what cares about that effect is also different well yeah this so, this modifies play so sorcery there's a lot of cards that care about instants and sorceries so having an instant or sorcery that works with those cards that does behave like an aura mm-hmm. would be relevant to those cards. Yeah, you can get a mage tra- magecraft trigger off this. Yeah, so we think that kind of relevant, like that is worth pursuing in this direction a little bit further. It is worth mentioning though that Mark Rosewater also said that this is probably not coming back. Like as a mechanic, he said they limited themselves so much that you you will probably. Um, you will probably never see this mechanic. Yeah, if this comes back, it'll probably be a one-off in a commander product, or like it'll be what we saw. Yeah, yeah, or it'll just be a new mechanic that's tweaked wording. Yeah, I think if they bring back this mechanic, it will come back as an attack trigger. I think, yeah, or because that's just how the wave magic design's going. Yeah, I think that they've 
I don't think you can change necessarily what you have. Yeah. So, but it's a new keyword. But if if, if, if it's new, in this design space, I think there's a, there's definitely more there. I think if we come back to this, it'll be like the spiritual successors, and I will bring it up and I'll say it'll be a they got me. Uh, they brought back my favorite trash mechanic. <laughs> but so, all right, have you have any other no, any that, other thoughts on Cipher? Um, unlike Vanishing, don't give this a try. Do not play this. Yeah, <laughs> do not. There's not much to like here. There, There is really not much to like here. Unless it's stolen identity, I would. So, if you want if you want to live the 20 reoccursion dream, you know what? I just realized this. If you copy a card with encoded on it, it's, yeah, it, it keeps the ability. Yeah. So, maybe that's the dream. Well, that's definitely stolen identity right there. No, no, no. But I'm not saying with stolen identity. Like, you put one of those other garbage effects on there. <laughs> like, so there's... The whole reason I, I I picked this mechanic was Undercity Plague. This was one of the first rares I ever opened. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> so so uh, Undercity Plague is four black black sorcery. It's a rare. Target player loses one life, discards a card, and then sacrifices a permanent cipher. So if you can make a copy, if you can make a unblockable creature that and then just copy that five times and then have it army of undercity plague bringers <laughs> there's definitely more that's of a, the that's there's the dream. a there's a dream there more of a reality oh that is so like that is so magical christmas land it's <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> yeah but six mana so huh. it amazes me that they oh yeah so one of them does say uh change text of target permanent replacing all instances of one color with another basic lander type as well so they do have that kind of effect on cipher so they they definitely did tinker with that space so trait trait doctoring one blue sorcery change the text of target permanent by replacing all instances of one color word with another of one basic land type with another until end of turn cipher yeah terrible uh do not what are you what are you actually doing with that card i I don't know i think do you change swamp walk to island or I don't even know how you use that card, but but they de- but that yeah, shows that can... they did tinker with that kind of space of changing the text of a card. Yeah. So that is in the possible future for Cipher. If they does, if they go down that, there's there's potentially some silver bordered acorn cards that are really. Oh, I would love to see this in silver. There's some really wacky Those, stuff, right? That would be some really good silver border stuff. Yeah. So maybe okay. There you go. Changes all instances. Mark Rosewater. Mark, make it, make it happen. Yeah, Mark Rosewater. I want a change all instances of flying to horsemanship cipher card. There you go. <laughs> we need that solved. 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 <laughs> Mechanic good now. You can play it in your commander deck as long as people aren't yelling at you. Yeah, that's a different argument about should you play silver border cards in commander. Yes, the answer. The, yes. the answer is yes. The answer Spoiler is alert. yes. Mark, Mark Rosewater agrees, and we've been quoting him a lot. So we will continue. We will. Yeah, we, we will continue quoting him a lot because there's really no one better you can ask about magic design than a head designer. Exactly. Like if I could, yeah, if I could send him a list of questions, I would. <laughs> Alright, well, that'll wrap it up for our first episode of Keyworded. We hope you enjoyed 
going along for the ride as we explore these keywords and what makes them interesting. And I hope you found a few cars that you might want to try out or might want to hang up on your wall and laugh at. Exactly. Like, if you want to buy a couple of these cards and put them in your book as a bookmark and laugh every time. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking about making a dartboard. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I'm Matt, with me is Harris, and we are Magic Keyworded, or Keyworded Magic the Gathering Podcast. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it, <laughs> we'll figure it out. It's title in progress. You can get us at... at uh, Keyworded. Yeah, keyworded MTG on G- Twitter. Yeah, what the Gmail at? I think it was Keyworded MTG. Yeah, Keyworded MTG at Gmail. And you just hit us up and leave us in the YouTube comments or wherever you get these podcast comments. We'll... Well, yeah, tell us what mechanics you think are interesting. Yeah, we'll see if we can do a deep dive in how they work and find out some interesting cards with them. And, yeah, that'll yeah. sign off for this one. All right. See you next time. Later. <laughs>